0: everyone, this episode Kyle Hansen and I from Outdoors International, uh, we go over a moose and caribou hunt that I uh, am basically consulting with him throughout the podcast and then also trying to ask good questions for the audience. Kyle does a great job of answering those questions and also giving a lot of good ideas, but also a- uh, answering questions before I can even ask them about why does it make sense to go through Outdoors International as being like a hunting consultant, how much does it cost, and all that stuff. Is there any actual hidden fees or additional fees to hire Kyle? And uh, as you'll see in the podcast, there's not, and it makes a lot of sense to actually go with somebody that's been there, done it, and got a t-shirt. So, you know, I I think it's a great resource. I will probably be booking Kyle uh, through Kyle because I want that information. I want that, uh, basically, experience that he brings to the table and be able to tell me exactly what to expect and kind of give me that peace of mind that I'm going through a a good outfitter. So uh, I appreciate Kyle's input and his experience and uh, as you guys will see he's a great wealth of knowledge and uh, very honest and open about uh you know what he does and what they do so as always guys uh if you can go on to the podcast website www.onpointpodcast.com i am really hammering and pushing this newsletter right now so for those of you that have been uh, listening to the podcast a lot lately i apologize for the redundancy here but it is really important to me And the podcast that folks go on there, give me their email, and then get on that new subscription list. But it should also be important to them. If you're wanting to get really good information, stay up to date with what I'm doing, what the podcast is doing. And then also try and get good deals of the products that you're hearing onto the show. Uh, My goal is to get people money off products that they want to try So they can afford nice equipment afford good products be able to test them for themselves and also keep them up to date and get as much information to people who need it or who want it so uh, if you guys want that information go onto the website click the sign up uh, or it might even pull up by itself and and just be sure to go ahead and do that Uh, that should be releasing early summer late summer, and then only one a month. I, I don't want to spam anybody. I, I don't want to sell anybody anything that they don't need. Um, I want to get good information information to people who want it, and I want to save people money. So that is for that. And uh, outside of that, guys, appreciate all the feedback. We've been getting plenty of, uh, of reviews lately. I think we got four or five within the last week or two, but we need to keep those coming. Uh, I want to hit 100 reviews by the end of uh, June. So help me do that. I think I'm at 76. So we need 24 and literally every single one counts because they don't come in in groves. So if you do do that, please leave a comment so I can see who left it. I like to do giveaways for people that leave me reviews. Five stars, the max, if you think I've earned it. And, uh, outside of that guys, I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. We've had an amazing week and the, the downloads are really starting to go on, on the rise and, uh, I appreciate everybody sharing the podcast with their friends talking about it and also supporting it through patreon and stuff like that um you know truly truly on the rise and i really appreciate all the good feedback and support so without any further ado guys this is kyle hansen with uh, outdoors international consulting me on a moose caribou hunt that i am getting ready to book and uh hope you enjoy i'll see you at the end all right so let's go ahead and get a a quick intro here kyle and uh, just basically tell everybody who you are and why you're on the podcast
1: all right. Um, well, my name is Kyle Hanson. I was uh, born and raised in Iowa city, Iowa and did the uh, normal Midwestern kid routine, growing up playing in the woods, fishing, skateboarding, you know, the good old fashioned stuff. And, uh, by trade I'm a uh, automotive, uh, collision repair technician, actually, actually. And, uh, Part-time uh, soldier, combat medic, now Army National Guard for eight years. And my newest mm-hmm. venture is uh, I'm a hunting consultant mm-hmm. with Outdoors International.
0: So, That's got to be a pretty sweet gig. Yeah,
1: I love it. It's It's been a great opportunity. It was actually funny enough how I became to be a hunting consultant was I was a client for Outdoors International for a few years and booked my hunts yeah. through them. And uh, I'm just really passionate about their company and what they've done for me as a client. And so then when they were looking for somebody with my skill set, they uh, offered and I jumped. So
0: so uh, what, what actually does Outdoors International do?
1: Well, Outdoors International is a hunting consultant firm. It's actually the largest internet-based hunting consultant firm in the world right now. And it's been around since 2005. And basically... Um Outdoors International, as a company, it's kind of like a travel agency, but for hunting, fishing, and wing shooting, and adventure travel. And so as a consultant, my job is, as an agent of the company, to be kind of like a travel agent, to help people book their hunts. And people come to me with a general idea of what they want to do, and I help them go from large picture to small picture, just based on their criteria for their hunt, budget, uh, level of physicality. And, you know, any other criteria that might come into play that they want for that particular experience, um, which in some cases even funny enough, uh, like I had one guy come talk to me today about unguided moose hunting. By the end of the conversation, I found out that actually Mm. a caribou hunt would be way better for him because it just, Mm. that fits his criteria better. And so he's probably going to end up booking a caribou hunt with me, but
0: that's pretty cool so you have I guess you have these so how it works is that you would have an outfitter that you're booking for or something or is it like canceled hunts or
1: both and we only book for outfitters that are pre vetted really yep so like it's a multi-year process for us to bring a new outfitter on so when we first have the conversation with an outfitter if they're looking for representation or if we are looking to represent them because we've had eye on them, whichever the case may be, we then have to, of course, do all the business sortings on the front end. But then we also have to go personally scout and hunt the experience before we'll... That's where I was him. going with that. Yeah. Which, yeah. which by the way, I, I still pay for hunts. <laughs> so that's, oh, that's something like, that's... <laughs> that we have to invest our money in to do. It's it's not like I get to do that oh. for free. I'm still a paying customer. So that, that says a lot about the hunts that we represent. We're willing to pay for them too. Um, So we have to personally go and experience the hunt and uh, see if it's something that we are willing to represent, Um, which, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. First and foremost, the outfitter has to be reputable, um, good people to work with, honest, uh, accurately represented as far as uh, just how they represent their hunt to us. And then also the hunting has to be good. It has to be desirable to go there be a delightful experience. And so if it's both of those things, then typically we'll move forward and uh, start sending clients through. And then after a year or so after that, if we still have positive reports, then we'll bring it to market and put it on our website. And uh, it doesn't always go well. Like uh, Corey and Corey, my boss, Corey Lanner, him and some other guys, they went on a Mexico mule deer hunt. I think it was last year, the year before. They all had really high hopes for that hunt. They had half a dozen guys on that trip. and uh, we're not representing that outfitter cuz really yeah just just wasn't uh wasn't really uh, an outfitter that we wanted to be a part of They, they had a great hunt. The trophy quality was incredible. They saw multiple 200-plus-inch mule deer on that hunt. But there was uh, a few issues where they took some unnecessary uh, safety risks with trucks that they were using, and somebody almost got hit by a cactus falling over or something like that. Yeah, You'll have to go check the podcast out sometimes. pretty wild. And then yeah. also, uh, in the interest of taking better trophy photos, that outfitter – wasn't having clients uh, tag the animals properly. And so at one point they got pulled over by a ex police officer. And, uh, it didn't go over very well. And thankfully for the situation, it went well and they got kind of a warning out of the deal. But that could have been a situation where they got a hefty fine, they have had to bribe their way out of it or go spend a little bit of time in the Mexican jail, worst case scenario. So, I mean, that's just not <laughs> that's something crazy. that. We obviously want to put a client through. (laughs) So, yeah. And, uh, or anybody through for that matter. So that's why we go test them out first. We are our own guinea pigs and, uh, just go from there.
0: That's interesting. So I guess that's a common misconception because I was thinking, like, man, this dude gets to work out in the woods and go on hunts. And I figured they were sending you on these things, but you're having to pay for all these hunts?
1: Correct. Um, which means that, you know, I'm still, I'm still a pretty average guy, I'm not rich by any means. Uh, my, uh, My fun money is still my hunting money and obviously it behooves me to invest my money in going on more trips and experiencing more things so I can more accurately represent all of these experiences to clients, like say for example, right now um, I've been on two unguided Alaskan moose hunts and I just got done booking my group of four hunters for our unguided caribou hunt, which we've already had multiple uh, consultants on that hunt and had great reviews and have a really long working history with that outfitter. Uh, but I want to go experience that one for myself because I have a lot of people asking about it. I want to go see it, meet the people face to face and, uh, and plus, I want to go caribou hunting someday myself, too. So uh, yeah. it's a win-win, and I get to better represent it that way. And then uh, same deal with a lot of other hunts that I've got on my bucket list that I'm going to start saving and working towards to go on. But uh, now that I'm a consultant, obviously, when I pick a hunt, uh, there's a little bit of business that goes into that, too, where it's like I, I kind of have to pick and choose my hunts, uh, that are destination-style hunts kind of based on what my key areas of focus are with my consulting career
0: okay okay well i'm glad that you've you've done the the you've done the moose and the caribou now or you haven't done it i have not done
1: caribou yet i've done moose twice however okay i so that's times.
0: that's pretty sweet you guys found success or had a good time on both trips yeah um successful
1: on both trips uh the first one was like a three-ring circus but we got it done still and I'm sure as you've heard stories about Alaska, Alaska can throw a lot of different things your way, uh, right. but uh, you just kind of have to learn to ride the roller coaster and have a positive attitude about it. And then the, the second hunt, honestly, our second moose hunt went so good. I can't even use that as an example when I talk to clients, you know, I, cause I just, it was just such a dream come true, just the trophy quality, um, how everything came together And it was just one of those dream trips where, you know, if you go enough times, you'll have that trip. But I can't, I can't, I almost can't uh, try to sell our hunts based on that experience because it just went so well. I I don't ever want to like oversell a client on that expectations for one of our hunts I just try to give them the average and usually get the worst and best case scenario so I do tell them about the best case scenario which was my hunt last year but (laughs) Mm, but, uh,
0: that's pretty sick
1: yeah we just try to accurately represent it to the best of our ability
0: so I, I want to get into that then, because uh, yeah. me and my dad, and and, and maybe if uh, my brother or something, in the next couple of years, I would like to go on a caribou hunt, preferably one where you can kill two, if they still have those tags, because I know they've kind of reduced some of the uh, opportunities for caribou hunters where you can where you can kill two caribou in some zones or something mm-hmm. like that, but um you know my my perfect hunt and uh would be kind of like i kill the first one with the rifle and just get it out of the way and then i can struggle with my with my bow and if i don't get one i don't get one there's no pressure um i just feel like i would have more fun that way you know just kind of getting the getting the pressure out of the way Mm -hmm. um is there anything like that out there right now um nothing that i
1: have as far as the two caribou part of it because i mean it's obviously no secret that the caribou herds are trending down right now. However, they are steady right. in population and for that reason a lot of the hunts are limited down to one caribou and I actually don't know if there are areas left that as a non-resident we can harvest two caribou. Um, I know that residents can harvest a lot more. However, uh, right. as non-residents I believe it's down to one in most of the areas as far as the northern slope and uh, those areas like 26, 23 up in that northern area. Um, however, our unguided caribou hunt right now which is our primary unguided caribou hunt out of Kotzebue, Alaska. That one is pretty much our go-to for all weapons. Uh, They can accommodate archery guys or rifle guys. I know that like I just said, I booked a group of four with myself included here recently and uh, my two my three friends that are going, one guy is a recurve archer, pretty much strictly trad. He's going to be at my camp and I'm a compound bow hunter. We're going to have a my 300 wind mag in camp as well, because you can, you can harvest the wolf as well. So we'll have wolf tasks with us. So we'll have a 300 wind mag in camp as a backup for bear and wolves, just in case we have the opportunity, obviously not a bear's, that's more of a defense thing or, uh, you know, maybe worst case scenario, my buddy wants to throw the stick down and pick up 300 wind mag. And then, uh, (laughs) my other two friends are actually a husband and wife team who are both long range rifle shooters. So pretty much polar opposite camps. Um, a lot of diversity there and uh, on that note how I how I typically do it when I write a contract for uh, one of our outfitters and clients uh, I include in that contract what their uh, goal is including the weapon and so I included in my friend's contract that he's a traditional archer so that way when they look at uh, making that game time decision when the pilots do they will know this is an archery camp this is a rifle camp. And, uh, you know, those are the things that can come into play when a pilot picks uh, a spot that he puts somebody both with like the Moose and Caribou stuff, because they know their spots pretty well. You know, not saying that any one camp is more archery conducive than the other, but if they know, okay, I'm going to put somebody on this landing strip today, and this guy over here tomorrow, one's archery, one's rifle, okay, maybe this one has a little bit more cover, so I'll try to get the archery guys set up on that one versus one that's a little bit more open. So
0: they'll try. what is the uh, success rate for a guy that wants to go out there and get it done with, with a compound bow? Like what is the, what, and, and what's the kind of quality are we talking about?
1: Um, right now, uh, historically for the unguided caribou, it's been running 60 plus percent, sometimes as high as 80% for archery. Um, mm-hmm. that's based on a combination of good years and bad years. Um, so there's good opportunity. I feel Provided that a client shows up in good physical shape proficient with their weapon. Um, I know that, you know, every single hunt is different. I know that there's no such thing as a perfect hunt. Um, I have a couple friends that are clients of Outdoors International that did that caribou hunt last year. And they both killed some absolute bombers. Uh, Hmm. But I also know that, uh, you know, uh, Steve Speck and Lenny Nelson, The caribou hunt they went on fall of 2017 is the caribou hunt that I'm talking about. And they're both bow hunters. They wanted to get it done with a bow. However, just with the circumstances that they were presented, the majority of the migration was coming through a couple miles outside of their camp. And, um, it took them a couple days to figure out where the primary concentration was. And beings that they already experienced weather delays going into the field, um, they pretty much, it came down to a couple of days of really good hunt days just because of the, the way the stars aligned for them. And they ended up shooting their bulls with rifles, to my understanding. Okay. Um, they did, uh, they did have some pretty close opportunities with the bow, but, um, that was one of those situations where they just decided to shoot one with rifle. So,
0: well, I, I feel like, and so if I choose to go caribou hunting with the bow, it's not like that's only what you can bring. It's kind of like you said, you brought a 300 win. Mm-hmm. Um, so if like, we're just not getting it done with a bow and it's just like, we're not seeing caribou or something's not happening, or maybe we got fogged and rained out and then we have like one day left and it's just been a horrible weather trip or something like mm-hmm. that, which happens. It's Alaska. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in the realm of possibility. And that's one thing that kind of like makes me, I, I don't know, kind of nervous, I guess it's like almost like you're rolling the dice every like from what I hear with the weather, like you could get completely screwed and, and not do anything the whole trip. Mm. But, um, so, but you can bring a gun, say you're going to shoot one with a bow, not working out and then shooting with a gun without having to have any extra permits or anything like that.
1: You cut out a little bit there. What was that last Oh, part? sorry.
0: Yeah. So I was just curious if you had, uh, if you say you're going to shoot one with a bow mm-hmm. You're not stuck with that. You can turn around and then, if it's not working out, shoot one with a gun. Oh, absolutely. And um, you know, I, I'm more of the opinion that I think
1: I wouldn't want to try to sell a client based on that. However, because I really think that it would be best to go into the hunt, um, without putting too much pressure on yourself to get it done, regardless. Because there's so many different aspects about Alaska to enjoy besides a successful Um, you know what I mean like imagine if you were if you were on a hunt and you had like four or five really tough days on like a seven day hunt and then it's getting down to the end and you're like you know screw this bow I'm just gonna go shoot something with a rifle it's like well that's a lot of unnecessary anticipation and anxiety that you're just bringing on yourself and detracting from the overall experience so I think just you know as a bow hunter most bow hunters are realistic to the standpoint of um, they know that they are decreasing their odds because their effective range is less and they have to be a more proficient hunter. So I think that if you want to get one done, get it done with a bow, then uh, go get it done with a bow, you know, Maybe, but don't, okay. um, don't have the expectations of being like, you know, I want to go there and shoot a 400 inch bull. You know, don't, okay. don't put that on yourself. You know, if that's your goal of, of shooting, you know, just an absolute grand Boone Crockett trophy quality bull. Yeah, it can happen. Um, but I think that, shooting something of that high trophy caliber is the minority anywhere you go and whatever you're doing in any species. And oftentimes it takes multiple trips to get that done. So just, you know, I think that kind of comes down to identifying with uh, what your expectations are and what you'd like to get out of the hunt and and just see if that is uh, realistic. Like on my, my first unguided moose hunt, I went up there with my dad and I just wanted to go up there and have a safe, memorable trip with my dad. Hopefully, hopefully get some bulls. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we got one between the two of us, I would have, I would have called that a success or at least had an opportunity, you know? And if, if we botched it, then you know what? We just need to get better. But we both went up there. We shot good bulls. We had a great time And I told myself, I'm going to keep coming back until I get an absolute giant bull. And then I'm going to, Move on to something else, and I, it just so happens that I got it done the second time up. But really? on my second, t- yeah, dude, he was a toad. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, you have to check him out. He'll send me some pictures or something. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that uh, I told myself going into that second moose hunt that I'm okay without coming home with a bull because I know that what I was looking for was really rare. And I was going to hold out to the bitter end and potentially go home empty handed, just a bigger bus type of mentality, which is fine. But I accepted that before I ever left the airport, you know? So it's like just going in with realistic expectations, you know, knowing that if you have a really high trophy quality in mind, that you're also kind of handicapping yourself a little bit because there's less of those animals. So therefore less opportunity. However, I think that, um, there is good opportunity for bow hunters and rifle hunters on either of those trips, um, on, on decent animals, regardless usually.
0: Yeah, I guess I, the quality of the animal is important, but shooting an absolute record breaker or, uh, uh, a giant isn't in my, I just want a good bull, Mm -hmm. you know, like a good representation of, you know, like, uh, if I was, had to put on it, like if I wanted to like a 250 pound black bear, Mm -hmm. you know, not huge, but that's a respectable black bear mm-hmm. really, you know, most places you go, that's, you know, in my opinion, that's a great bear. And so, uh, what's the, what's the, I guess from a guy that doesn't really know scoring on, on a caribou versus a, um, uh, would you be able to put that in like mule deer or, or elk scoring? So like what you said, a 400 inch bull, that sounds giant. Yeah. That's, that's a an elk hunter
1: giant. And, uh,
0: Yeah. What would be the equivalent of a 250 pound bear for a caribou or a 300 inch bull for a caribou Mm. for a Rosie?
1: Oh, I'd say probably high 200 inch caribou range, maybe maybe low 300, just kind of depending. Um, I'm I'm not overly familiar with the caribou scoring system myself personally. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually not a real big score guy. I'm more of like a that's big. I like. I'm gonna go grab it, kind of guy. That's, you know, that's but, how I am. Like, yeah. I. Uh, funny enough, I still haven't measured my moose. Um, I know that it's almost <laughs> 70 inches wide, and I can, still barely, oh my I can still barely lift the rack and skull. Um, that's sick. actually funny. That's funny cool. enough. I'm uh, because my moose is so big. There's a, a European mount company. That makes uh, brackets for the wall that I'm doing a project with right now, and they want <laughs> they want to build a bracket strong enough to hold my moose. So I had to have a custom bracket made for my moose because it actually uh, it folded a skull hooker. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it is, uh he's he's just huge. So so funny That's enough, cool. the other day I actually had it off the wall and was trying to hang it in my garage doing a demo on this bracket, and uh, I broke a sweat walking through my hallway with this bull on my shoulder, just to, just the head and skull.
0: That would be so cool yeah. I mean i I would be my goal when if I got a moose tag would be sixty plus, which I know isn't a monster, but that's a pretty damn good bowl oh, that's that's a monster that's that's a is that a monster that is a big
1: bull absolutely. you know like yeah. when guys talk like like seventy inch bulls, it's like that is that that's the pinnacle and yeah. the sixty inch is like the magical mark that some people spend years doing seventy inch is like. Just out of this world big. Like there, there's just not very many of them. Um, whereas I think 60 inch is an absolute giant. Like that's what guided hunts strive for. Is that 60 plus inch mark or yeah. high 50 inch mark with great character?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. that's kind of probably where I got that from. Is just watching you know a bunch of moose hunts because moose hunts, moose hunting with a bow, calling him in, getting that five to ten yard shot that you see on the internet all the time is like probably going to be one of my highlights of my life I guarantee I'm going to do it sometime I don't know when um, but that's going to be I, I don't know how you could beat that even a big bugling bull elk I, Oh man I don't know how you'd beat that I mean
1: it's uh it's quite the experience and I uh, I'll share with you a story about the hunt from last year so last year when I spotted my big bull I spotted him from like a mile and a half away and it, it was it was one of those deals where I saw him through the spotter and I didn't think too much on it it was just like where's he going when's he bedding down and how the hell am i going to get there like i didn't think too hard on it when i saw him whereas before that i had uh i had been sizing up every single bull i could like trying to guess it down to the inch and looking him over really hard with a big spotter but i saw this bull and was like yep that's it time to stuff and go so i got down there and uh, in the midst of trying to get to that bull and stalking into him i actually accidentally called in a satellite bull of his herd And so I had a 57-inch bull at about 20 yards from me like trying to spar with me on the other side of of some uh, alders, and he was upwind of me so I could smell him while he's trying to spar with me while I'm trying to stalk my way into the herd to kill the herd bull, which is the big 69-inch bull that I killed. And um, so where I'm going with that is just having an animal of that size that close, you'll never appreciate it until you're there. Like, you, you've heard the sounds that moose make, you know, that deep, run, that oh, oh, that raspiness to it. That sound is, it's just, you, you can't even begin to experience what that actually sounds like until it's in person. Because you got you to imagine these things, their chest cavity is over 36 inches tall. And just the depth and the rasp. To these animals when they're that close and how you can hear them breathing and just the, that hollow echoing sound that they make as they're that close it's uh it's quite the sound quite the experience to be that close with them hmm. and then also ah, when they're that... looking down on you
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's on my that's on my list man it, did you kill it with a gun or a, a bow 300 wind mag yep. i didn't right even, i didn't
1: i didn't even take my bow on that one <laughs> yeah because it's funny enough I me and a bow i'm an absolute archery fanatic now mm-hmm. but when i started planning that hunt i had just started bow hunting because i've I've shot a bow off and on throughout my life but i didn't actually start bow hunting until a few years ago and when i first started mm. planning that moose hunt um, i had just picked up the bow and it wasn't even a thought in my mind if i wanted to do it archery or gun it was just I want to go do it and I want to target the largest animal possible and put everything in my favor. And so up until a few months before that hunt, I hadn't even really given it a thought as to whether I was going to take a rifle or archery or whatever. It's just whatever legal weapon.
0: So I want to get into, uh, you know, so you're hunting where, what part of Alaska are you hunting? And then what, um, what would you bring for gear wise to have a good trip? and cover your bases.
1: Well, um, are you saying for the, for the moose hunt? For both the moose and hunt. Okay. Caribbean. So both of the hunts are in Western Alaska. The moose hunt is out of Southwestern Alaska. Um, it's in the Yukon Delta area. Uh, that'd be South of the Yukon river. And it's in the, I can't remember. It's like Yukon Delta national refuge. If you look at it on a map somewhere there, it's a big public area. That's fly in mm-hmm. access. And um, then the caribou area is in out of like northwestern alaska kind of on the southwest end of the brooks range out of kotzebue and so that one is it's not quite north slope if you like hear guys talk about hunting caribou on the north slope it's not that type of area it's it's more of i call it southwestern slope i don't I don't even know what to call it, to be honest with you, because it's not North Slope, but um, mm. similar area terrain-wise, you can see the brooks range from it. Um, kind of mountainous area, lots of rolling hills, tundra, um, I guess uh, running creeks and rivers, uh, a few lakes up in that area. Uh, the Moose area, however, is pretty much all lakes, and um really really soft ground a lot of wet camps uh, tundra muskeg swampy type stuff um, that's mm. that's why there's such a high moose density in those type of areas because uh, predators don't typically like those type of areas that moose do and they uh, the moose they're called swamp donkeys for a reason you know they have like six foot long legs and they can walk through that stuff whereas nothing else can so that's why they thrive in those areas there's such a high concentration um But, um, as far as gear, actually both of our unguided, uh, moose and caribou drop camp outfitters, they both offer an outfitted camp and a do it yourself option. So you can actually rent their camp and have them supply your food as part of that
0: option. Um, but I would be interested in that option personally. Um, what's that run?
1: So as far as pricing, so on the caribou hunt, for 2020, that hunt is 3750 per guy, not including your hunting license tag, travel to and from uh, Katsubu, as well as any hotels or additional expenses occur with lodging, taxidermy, meat mm-hmm. care, all that good stuff. And then for an additional $400 additional, so for 4150 they will supply your camp and food. And so that's actually a really sweet deal because if you think of spending a couple hundred bucks just in extra luggage costs, just to bring your own stuff and food, not even including the cost of food out there with you, that's actually the way to go on the caribou hunt, as well as the fact that it's like caribou hunt is usually a little bit easier hunt for guys to undertake as their first uh, Alaskan hunt. And so having them supply the whole camp for you is really nice. You
0: just have to bring your weapon, clothing system, pack and any other hunting gear and that um, includes the airfare too right for the uh float plane or the planes to get that includes powder. includes the
1: ride in and out of the field as well as getting your game and harvest out of the field um, cool. then on that caribou hunt you can also shoot a wolf for no additional charge other than the cost of the tag um, and then the i suppose cost of the tag on caribou right now is 650 dollars for the tag the non-resident hunting license is one hundred and sixty dollars, and then the wolf tag, if you want to get a wolf tag, which I think everybody should, um, yeah. is uh, only sixty bucks. So you might as well get that, and then you can also harvest That's small it. game in the process of that too. Like there's a uh, quite a bit of ptarmigan in those areas, and fox and stuff like that. If uh, that trips your trigger, I know ptarmigan they taste great. So both of my moose hunts, after I've harvested my moose, it was pretty much ptarmigan up there because. Those little suckers <laughs> taste good. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And then uh, on the moose hunt with that one, the price per hunter on that one is seven thousand five hundred right now. And then to rent their camp and food, it's an additional thousand dollars for that one. And so that one on my first hunt, I rented their camp because I didn't. I didn't really know what to bring, and they have really good equipment. Most of it's new. It's all in working order. It's great they send you with probably twice as much food as you actually need and you have a lot of variety Um, but on my second hunt I went ahead and brought my own camp just because uh, for a thousand bucks you know you're kind of right there of like it's it's not a no-brainer like the caribou hunt as far as saving money on it you're kind of six in one half dozen the other by the time you buy all your food, if you don't have the camp equipment already and buy some and then pay for getting it up there and back, you know, you're know you kind of breaking even, maybe saving just a little bit by bringing your own stuff there. So that's, that's the deciding factor there is if you want to buy your own stuff and have it for the long run, if you plan on doing it multiple times, um, Or if you just don't want to deal with it, it's still nice just not to haul all your own stuff up there. I know that on my second moose hunt, when I brought my entire camp and food, um, I brought the entire camp and food for two guys. And Hmm. my hunting partner and I, we left two separate locations. because He lives in Colorado and I live in Iowa. So I hauled five checked bags through the Chicago airport all by myself that really sucked. <laughs> and I don't ever want to do that again because I had to yeah. finagle, beg, borrow and ask favors to have people help me in the airport. Cause I just had so much stuff and, you know, being there's a weapon in there too. It uh, made it a little tricky because, you know, you don't ever want to walk away from luggage in an airport. You especially don't want to walk away from a gun case. So right. it made it interesting not having both of us in the same spot.
0: So what makes the, uh, the moose hunt food, quite a bit more expensive than the caribou camp food Mm -hmm. because uh i'm the type of guy that just i want to make it as simple as i can on myself i'd probably use as much as i could of their stuff um just to simplify my gear list and then also not pack a bunch of shit through the airport
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah sure you know i think that
1: it doesn't come down to cost of food necessarily i think that it comes down to the outfitter on that hunt charges more because i think they go through more equipment like, I think a lot of their stuff, it's, it's decent quality. Like say a stoves, like Coleman stove, you have camping or a, mm-hmm. a folding camp chairs, Coleman lantern pots and pans, you know, it's like stuff that you'd have in a regular kitchen or, or like a campsite type type of deal. However, they go through a, a lot more often because it's such a wet area. I think that honestly they're just throwing it away, you know? Really? So a lot of that stuff they won't use year after year. Um, Like, our tent that we used had only been used once before we got it, and I think they only get a few uses out of them and then throw them away just because of the nature Mm -hmm. of the areas. So I think that's part of the cost. Um, Part of it could just be he just charges more because there's a higher demand for what he does. Um, You know, it's kind of tough to quantify, but
0: that's how I understand. it. Now, is the... uh is the seven thousand include the tag for the moose, or do you have to get the moose on top of that? It does not include the cost of the tag or the hunting
1: license. And that okay. one, that one is a little bit more expensive hunt. And actually, just in full disclosure, a few years ago when I went on that hunt in two thousand and sixteen, that hunt was five thousand five hundred dollars. However, oh, due wow. to uh, just increased cost of doing business and cost of living in Alaska, as well as flat out just increased demand. They've increased the prices on that. So wow. yeah, at one point we were booked almost three years out on that hunt when it was selling. Really? When it was selling for five thousand five hundred.
0: So uh, out the door, what would you be looking for out the door safely back home with your meat and and your everything for each hunt? Would you say on average? Oh, including uh, tag, license, airfare. Getting
1: your meat and trophy back home, which getting your meat and trophy back home from Alaska is actually pretty pretty sweet because Alaska Airlines lets you take it with you as checked luggage. Even my oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, even my sixty nine inch Alaskan bull, I took that as checked luggage, which that, hmm. that was pretty cool. That cost me seventy five bucks to get it home. Can't beat that. Then had my tax service do the euro amount. Uh, but so starting with the moose hunt, so seventy five hundred base. Um, depending if you had them um, supply your camp and food another thousand you're at 85 Um uh, eight hundred dollars for the tag on that one 160 for the non-resident license throw a wolf tag in there just in case you know you're right at a thousand bucks there so now we're at 95 um, airfare round trip to alaska is actually pretty reasonable both times that i've traveled to alaska uh coming from Chicago to go into Bethel, Alaska, which is Southwestern Alaska, going from Chicago to Anchorage, Anchorage to Bethel, both times have been about $650 prior to any luggage fees. Uh, So then factor in some additional luggage fees, and some airport food on the way there and back. Uh, you're sitting on about thousand bucks there, so you're about ten five. Maybe throw in a little bit extra for some buffer there, and you're sitting on about eleven thousand bucks per man if you did the okay. full, the full uh, outfitted, unguided option on that one for everything. So door to door, you know, figure right around eleven thousand, maybe more, just depending on what you do on that moose hunt. It's also an option to get a bear tag too. Um, mm-hmm that personally i bought a bear tag both times on that hunt and i saw bears on my second hunt but i don't recommend people get a bear tag just because it's usually just a donation to the alaskan game um, however some people do get bear tags and they kill their moose early and go sit on the carcass and then shoot a black bear while waiting out on the trip so that's up to you it's 450 bucks both times it's been a donation to the alaskan game of fish um, I've only met a few people on those hunts that actually do shoot black bears. Some people see them. Um, very rarely do, do people see wolves on that hunt, though. Um, but I did. I have met a couple guys that have shot wolves on that as well. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, door-to-door, about $11,000, um, maybe a little more. If you incur a lot of hotel costs getting weathered in or have to change your flight, it is kind of expensive to have to change your flight if, you end up getting weathered into the field while you're up there like last year we got weathered in the field two extra days so we spent 14 nights in the field last year and missed our flight by about an hour getting out of the field and that cost us between 450 to 500 to reschedule our flights on the way home um, so that was an additional cost there which is why i say have a little bit of buffer in there um, uh-huh. So then looking at the caribou hunt, say if, if you were to go in 2020 uh, for 4150 fully outfitted unguided camp, you'd have 650 another 800 bucks, 850 around 850 bucks for your tags, license, and all that good stuff. So just call it like 1000 bucks to keep numbers easy. You're sitting on five thousand dollars, another thousand bucks roughly for travel round trips around six. Um, so you could do that one for around six door to door.
0: Okay, yeah. are those prices pretty par for the course? Competitive with most of the other prices, or, or are those a little bit more expensive? Or what? What's the average? Would you say?
1: I'd say they're all competitively priced. Um, some of the unguided caribou hunts on the northern slope some of those do cost a little bit more or sorry a little bit less than um, ours priced around forty-one fifty. however there's additional charges that you have to pay for out of pocket to get to those hunts whether it be to rent a vehicle for a couple weeks to drive up the hall road and uh, meet an outfitter off the side of the road to get float planed into your area or pay for additional charter fees to get up to where their remote camp is uh, mm-hmm. where they would fly you in out of. So they all end up being about the same. The tag costs, those are fixed. Um, your airfare round trip, that's fixed. Um, but, you know, just all those, like, additional logistical charges that go into the hunt that add up, it usually ends up just breaking about the same. And then um, okay. as far as um, our services costing more than, say, if, if you went straight to an outfitter, something interesting to touch in there. Um, that question comes up a lot as a hunting consultant, people uh, clients ask me all the time is like, so what what am I gaining by going through outdoors international versus just going straight to your outfitter? And the answer to that, because that's such a common question is it's like well, you're gaining a lot actually because um, if you go through me, that caribou hunt is 4150 fully outfitted with your camp. If you go through our outfitter, it's also 4150. So my, okay. all of my services to my clients are of no charge to the client. And there is no upcharge there. All of my fees are paid by the outfitter through their marketing budget. And so the outfitter would pay Outdoors International a commission, which then I would get a portion of as well um, for my services to Outdoors International as, a, as the agent. Um, however, the client never sees that bill. And so essentially you have your own personal subject matter expert on that trip to book you through the whole process for no additional charge to the client.
0: And that's cool.
1: It is. And like I said, when I started working with outdoors international as a client, once I understood that and had a relationship with my consultant, who's now my boss, Russ Meyer, (laughs) (laughs) um, I just, I, I was just absolutely in love with the company and what they do for clients and how they were, I just it's it's such a sweet deal because Russ, as my consultant, he was able to just walk me through my dream hunt. He's like, "This is what I want to do. This is my my bucket list hunt. The number one thing I've wanted to do since I was like ten years old. You know, what do I got to do? How do I got to get there? You know?" And he just walked me through it. And he just made it easy. And like I was researching like a dozen different unguided moose hunts when I decided to go with him. And I was just like, you know, after doing my research, everything keeps coming back to you. Um, and I don't want to go with anybody else. You know, hmm. so just a lot more I guess, for the buck.
0: Yeah. I guess my biggest worries is, um, you know, not every outfitter is going to be a good one. And if I was going to book something and I'm spending $11,000 on mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah, you know, like I'm. Uh, that's a, that's a gamble. I mean, you're you're you always hear the the great stories and and how everything worked out, but then there are the complete shit shows. Absolutely. There and and the pilot was horrible. The camp was horrible. The there was no game. They wouldn't drop them off in another spot. Mm-hmm. It just you know there was no contingencies or anything like that. There was very little customer service or you know something i i don't know i i would want the most amount of peace of mind if i was going to spend the coin cuz i'm not rich or anything oh yeah and i i found like when we went to africa is you know we we wanted to do the, as much peace of mind as possible so we booked a uh, travel agent which was the stupidest thing we've ever done really out, i mean it was it wasn't worth the money and it was directly out of our pocket it's not like the outfitter was paying the travel agent, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, first of all, when you're on the other side of the world, when you need them, they're in bed, mm-hmm. right? And then the only good thing is that, that they hooked, um, they introduced us to this basically bed and breakfast, which would take care of everything from, and to and from the airport. And that was amazing. That was worth it there. But it was like 2000 to 2500 for their services. Really? Yeah, yeah, because the plane ticket's, um they they wouldn't tell you how much they were making they would just give you the quote for the plane ticket and then i'd cross basically reference that with the plane tickets mm-hmm. and it was yeah about yeah no more than 2500 bucks more but we we ended up paying that i'm like afterwards i'm like that was so stupid that was a uh, kudu that was a couple wildebeest that was another gem two gems but you know that could have yeah. been more animals we had when we were there but, oh, absolutely um uh, you know so having you explain that makes what you do a lot more sense to me. Cause I, you know, I'm sure that is a common question. You know, why would I do the outdoors international when I can go direct? Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you covered that. Cause those are questions that I just naturally have. And as, as you stated, a lot of guys are going to have, yeah. so that um, makes a lot of, it makes a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. And you know what,
1: it's, it's funny when people ask me this question, I just, it just makes me smile inside because, you know, just like, Four or five years ago, I was on the other side of the phone talking to Russ, asking him the same questions. And it's just, it's so cool to be able to like enlighten people to that and, uh, you know, explain to them how our services work. And it's really cool too, because, like, say, in the case with Africa, I haven't been to Africa, but some of my fellow consultants have. So, in a situation like that, if you came to me and you're like, hey, man, I want to go to Africa, I want to go to a reputable place, Um, what should I expect to pay? Um, Here's what I was thinking for budget here's my uh, physicality level, here's my targeted species, you know, like, let's, let's figure out, paint a realistic picture. I'd be like, well, be honest with you, I haven't been to Africa, but you know what? My, uh, my fellow consultant, Todd, he's the Africa subject matter expert. Why don't we get a three-way call going and um, let's work together as a team and get this thing figured out for you and get you with the right people. And so like in that case, you know, both Todd and I would actually be making less, but we would be going out of our way to make sure that you are getting the experience you want. And then all of our outfitters we have close relationships with, which that's pretty much the premise of the hunting consultant company is developing good relationships, both with the outfitters and the clients because we have to be able to communicate effectively with our outfitters to work with them as well as accurately represent the hunts and experiences to the clients.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I I guess naturally the question is I want to take you back to kind of the gear stuff. So you mm-hmm. said, um, you know, what what layering system in clothing? My my biggest worry would be clothing mm-hmm. and and footwear and waders and all that stuff. So I want to be at least as much comfortable as I am when I'm out hunting, so I can hunt as hard as I can as long as I can. Because mm-hmm. um, if I'm just sitting there getting drenched to the bone, you're going to have to stop at some point. I mean, you're going to probably going to get too cold. You're going to have to start a fire. Or, I'm guessing, I don't know, I've never been there, but mm-hmm. um, fill me in on that for like what's, what's appropriate to, to bring with you.
1: Well, um, I'm glad you mentioned waders there because I actually tell people that if you go to Alaska, you can pretty much plan on bringing the same layering system that you would bring with you on, say, like more of a mountaineering, western type hunt. However, add waders. And- okay that you're expected to be in for example the the caribou hunt i would tell guys to bring um those like nylon sock wiggies just like over, over boot sleeve for like 50 bucks they're like a pound um, they're good for like 10 15 creek crossings and uh, then you'll probably uh, start seeing some leakage out of them or um neos river trekkers which are a little bit more durable they have a rubber sole and tread on the bottom Um, Mm -hmm. both are great options but those are just an overboot not something that you would wear all the time you would just wear those like getting out of a float plane or crossing a stream or something like that Um, so that's what i'd recommend on that hunt however on the moose hunt i recommend guys bring full-on fly fishing chest waders now, not duck hunting chest waders that are neoprenes because those things are heavy as crap, and they're just going to wear you down real fast. After you're warm, but they're going to wear you down. So I recommend guys bring a fly fishing wader, specifically a stocking foot style with a separate lace up style boot for good support. Um, hmm. And like on a caribou hunt, you're going to be you're going to be more mobile. You're going you're going to be on. Tundra, there's not going to be quite as much swampy stuff. It's going to be rolling hills. You're going to have a little bit of elevation change to glass. um, So keep that in mind. Um, You're going to want to bring a good layering system, regardless, you know, base layer, top and bottom, mid layer, top, insulation layer, top. Um, I think guys should bring puffy pants. They're just a good insurance, especially if you're spending a lot of time glassing heavy-duty rain gear top and bottom and then all the accessories to go with it and then um, any extras that you'd want to bring me i'm kind of a minimalist so i'm not going to bring like two puffies two puffy pants uh, three hiking pants two top and bottom base layers you know i might bring like one lower base layer two upper base layers just so i can swap out rinse one out one day after they stink or get them wet or bloody i might bring a, a primary hunting pant and then a pair of pants that i'll use to get bloody like last year on my moose hunt i wore a pair of sitka timber lines uh, for my primary hunting pants they have that nice reinforced butt knee pad in there or the material that's a little more reinforced. And then I wore uh, Prana Zions for the actual packing itself because they're so light, you almost don't even feel that you're wearing them. So that was a great packing pant, and I got it bloody and just rinsed downstream. Uh, But then as far as the moose stuff, obviously that can be, like I said, a lot more of a soft, ground, wet area, and you're going to be enduring a lot more I guess, uncomfort and being wet and cold in those situations, typically. And because of that, you're also going to be not moving around nearly as much. So it's going to be low mobility. So you're not going to be hiking around a lot, sweating up and all that. You're pretty much going to be stationary, trying to get the moose to come to you or waiting for the moose to come by you and hunting closer to camp. So, you know, just dress accordingly.
0: That makes a lot of sense. It's it's kind of funny that you're paying almost double to have more of a suck. It is. For like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's like, man, you could here, you could have a great, you know, hike your butt off and have fun. It's more open and, and, or, and that's six grand or for 11, you can hunt yeah. the swampy ass area and just yeah. struggle. And, you know, but I, you know, my thing is no struggle is the story. It's, it's, it's just, you're having that more of an experience i guess i don't know like yeah. the, the the moose man has always been close to my heart seeing it on you know just growing up just seeing the videos and you have like the rack man videos where he's got the paddles and he's like mm-hmm. getting in on those moose it's just it's just been a dream of mine to be able to do that someday yeah. and, and with a bow and and like you said until you have I can speak from this, you know, until you have a big bull elk screaming at you, you're never gonna know what that's like. And mm-hmm. kinda of with the moose. Yeah. You know, just hearing the Oh, You know, I, I I couldn't even imagine like the bass that goes with that. Yeah. And just hearing like hearing I don't know. I just I want that. So Yeah, absolutely. Um it, it just seems so cool. Like I'm so pumped to be able to do that. So what's what's the but you said you were booked out like three years ahead of time when the prices were lower So if a guy's planning a trip, how far ahead of time does he need to be willing to plan?
1: Two years on the moose, um, typically a year, year and a half on the caribou. For example, right now, if somebody called me and said, hey, Kyle, I want to start planning my unguided moose hunt. Uh, My funds are ready. I'm ready to look at dates, sign a contract and put my 25% deposit down. Um, I have a partner. I, I know what to expect. When can we do this? Like, okay, well, my soonest availability is 2021 on that hunt right now. Um, That's what you should expect. Occasionally we will have clients. I will throw caveat in there. We will have clients that are currently booked um, want to push their dates back, which opens up sooner availability. However, those available spots are only offered to booked clients already that are willing to go sooner. For example, um, in that case, when I booked my first moose hunt, I actually booked it in 2015 for 2018, however went in 2016. Um, Because not many people are willing to bump dates after they've already booked. But I told Russ, I was like, hey man, um, if I'm financially able to go sooner, I want to. So I'm gonna gonna do everything I can to save up now, And so about January 10th, 2016, Russ gave me a call and was like, Hey, uh, I got you on my list of guys that are looking to, uh, move up hunt years. Um, I know that you were talking, you only wanted to bump one hunt year, but what are the chances you'd bump two? I was like, well, I'll be honest with you. I was so excited about this hunt. I've already got the money saved up. I I worked like 50, Mm -hmm. 60 hour weeks for like three months straight until I had the next deposit ready and I'm sure that I can make it happen financially by then. So let's do it, you know, right there on the spot. I booked up two that's years. Cool. So so that that is an opportunity and we're always willing to be flexible with clients and try to help them out and uh, treat every booking like a case by case scenario. Um, so that's that on the Moose Hunt. On the Caribou, I do have openings as early as 2020 right now. Um, And then as far as um, dates and availability, the caribou hunts, those run from the middle of August till the end of September. However, on the moose hunt, those run the majority of the month of September. Um, However, guys only go into the field, I say into, between, I believe it's September 8th and September 19th. Um, And they are staged like every day or every other day, the outfitter plans on putting two or three camps in the field, as well as pulling two or three out and running two different pilots around the clock, pretty much. Um, So you kind of like picture how that works, just kind of like leapfrog style um, Mm -hmm. throughout the month of putting people in, taking people out, and then kind of meeting there in the middle until everyone's out of the field.
0: So what would be the best times of the year if you're wanting to get a, uh, a good caribou or get one of those close call-in experiences with a moose?
1: Um, with a moose, honestly, because the date range is all within three weeks, I would say whatever your schedule permits, go because one week it could be warm the next week it can be cold you could start out with your hunt cold and end warm when in theory it should cool off a little bit more and the action should heat up you know just as it gets later in September theoretically but on both of my moose hunts they actually started cold and ended warm and uh, which is out of the norm so it's hard to predict year to year which week is going to be better uh, those hunts are 12-day hunts um, say for example uh, last year in 2018 my hunt was september 12th through eight or no 12th through 24th so a 12-day hunt with uh two non-hunt days because you can't hunt the same day you fly in state of alaska so you fly in on the 12th and hunt till the morning of the 24th and get pulled out um, so the date range you just have so much more time at a moose hunt and a lot narrower window as far as when it could, or could be hot. So I guess what I'm trying to say is just book when you can, they're all going to be about the same. I don't really see a correlation between increase or decrease success from the second week in September to the third week in September. It's just, okay. it's, it's about the same on that one. However, for caribou, typically, um, guys are having a little bit more opportunity in the September timeframe. It seems like on the caribou hunt, than August, um, we are getting consistent reports of that. However, we haven't seen decreased success by guys going in August. Um, and a lot of times what I tell people when they're asking me that same question of when should I go on my caribou hunt? I just ask them a few questions like, okay, well, um, would you rather go when it's warmer than colder? Do you just not handle cold weather very well? Because if it's getting later in September on a caribou hunt, you're probably gonna be dealing with freezing temperatures every single day. Um, can, mm. can you handle that? Are you okay with that? Like, well, no, and I want a velvet bull. It's like, well, you know, we should probably look more at August timeframe because <clears throat> the bulls typically start uh, shedding their velvet later in August. So if a guy wants velvet, um, plan sometime in those last couple weeks of August. <clears throat> However, guy wants hardhorn anytime in September should be good for that. Um, what about no mosquitoes? No mosquitoes, September for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that would be my cause I I would hate to get there and that shit would piss me off. Just battling mosquitoes the whole yep. time would just ruin the hunt yep. for me. Like the Alaska. I know maybe that's high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I've just seen these hunts, just watching hunts, and it's just like they're filming them and and you can just tell the dude like it's, it's he's just hating he's like oh man you know like h- hardly any time do they have a mosquito net and mm-hmm. i don't even know if that would work over there but it's just like a black cloud it's like dude that does not look fun
1: yeah the caribou don't like it either
0: yeah, yeah you should imagine. you should
1: watch uh, some youtube videos of like early august and july caribou hunts on the really? on the northern slope it's mm-hmm. like it looks like a fog of mosquitoes and those caribou's are they're just going crazy out there dancing and shaking their head everywhere, trying to get the bugs off of them.
0: And, that would uh, suck.
1: But that typically does come with the warmer weather.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I would, I would freeze my balls off just to not hunt mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I'm kind of more inclined to do that too. And honestly, I think me personally, so we booked our hunt from, we had an opening for four, from august 31st till september 6th i believe was our dates and we decided on that because my buddy who's the recurve guy he wanted good opportunity as well as potentially an opportunity at velvet so we're going to be catching the last few days to potentially get a velvet bull um even though there's a good chance that we're going to lose the velvet if we do kill a velvet bull because it's starting to loosen up around that time frame if they haven't shed already um Mm -hmm. However, I also wanted to try to put the odds in his favor for maybe a little more opportunity since he is going to be recurve hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, my friends that are going, they're rifle hunters, so they, they didn't really care. And they actually had uh, more of a preference towards Hardhorn, anyways. So we're going to get a little bit of both on that hunt, I predict. Um, I could be wrong. Um, Because it is different every single year. Um, The outfitter informed me that the bulls can, some years, start shedding as early as mid-August. So some years, sometimes people might not get a single bull at all. Um, But then other years, they might hold it a little bit longer. It just depends. Like last year, they had a little bit of a warm front. Um, towards the end of August when it should have started cooling off historically, but they did have a warm front there. So it's different from year to year. Um, I know that, uh, my boss, Russ Meyer, he's been caribou hunting a few times and he has never hunted September and he has gotten it done on almost every single caribou hunt with his bow, just because he's such an elk fanatic. He refuses to miss a day of uh, September. Uh, however, he did miss a few days of his September elk season last year to go moose hunting. So, and he was successful with his bow through our same outfitter.
0: That would be a big factor. Actually, I didn't even think about it being in September, but, Mm -hmm. um, we, we have really good, um, success getting in the bulls here early in the season. I just, like I killed my bull last year, uh, second, third day of season, killed my buck second day of season. And then it seems like every year we go over East, like Labor Day, we're getting into bulls like, screaming their head off. You'd think it was just the middle of September. I mean, every year. And maybe we just found a, a drainage where they're early over there. I don't know. But um, you couldn't tell the elk that it's not time to go. I mean, when, it, when they are just rutting up over there. And it, opening day, they were screaming. Uh, was it two years ago? We had a buddy that we uh, – my buddy's dad went over there, and they were just screaming opening day. And this is late August. So – you know, I mean,
1: I guess I, guess I could make,
0: yeah, I could make it, I could make September work, I guess. But, uh, so how long, um, of a time period, uh, are, are these hunts, uh, the moose versus the caribou? So, like I said, the moose
1: hunt is like, going to be, uh, 12 day with two fly days. And then, two day. yep, okay. so two fly days. So you can't, you can't hunt the same day you fly in Alaska. Right. Um, you can, I want to say you can start hunting at 3 a.m. the day after you fly in, Um, but that could be area-specific, so always check your current year's regulations on that, Um, because Alaska has a lot of different regulations for different units, so always check that. I don't have the regs right in front of me otherwise I tell you but I'm pretty sure that's what it is and then on the caribou hunt the standard hunt for those is seven days with two fly days Um, occasionally we do have people ask for additional days on that one and that is by request with the outfitter Uh, we've had guys go as long as 10 12 days on that one by request Um, that's just personal preference the only caution that I warn people of there is because uh, those can be warmer hunts in August so if somebody does like a 10 or 12 day caribou hunt in August and they shoot bulls in that first week well guess what you're sitting on two bull caribous in a potentially grizzly country in 50 degree weather so you have a headache to deal with there trying to keep your meat mm. cooled off during that time frame, as well as increasing your possibility of attracting bears.
0: Right. right. So you know. have you had any run-ins with grizzlies over there or any problems with them? Yeah. Yep. Occasionally camps do, do have uh, problems with grizzlies coming in and
1: trying to steal meat. I talked to one of our clients who he went on the moose hunt last year and He did the caribou hunt the year before, and they had grizzlies claim, I want to say one of their bulls, while they were packing it out, Um, and that's just a situation that there's not really a whole lot you can do other than just take all the precautions that you can. Um, Can't shoot them? No, not unless they threaten you. Um, And that, that's all case by case too. And you really don't want to put yourself in that situation because no. then they have to fly out the Alaska uh, state troopers and inspect it and open an investigation and all that. So grizzly bears are real. Grizzly bears are in Alaska. And you just got to be smart. Yeah. Um, and actually, on that note, um, I think over on the Hunt Backcountry podcast, they just had uh, Billy Malls on. Who, he's been an Alaskan guide up there for about 20 years. He talked about uh, grizzly bear precautions, and I refer people to go over there and listen to that if they get a chance. Uh, he yeah. got a lot of really out. really good advice with grizzly bears that uh, most people don't really think of, just how to handle them, how to read their behavior, um, certain precautions you can take as far as meat care, protecting it from bears. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they've also had other, um, I think they had one where, you know, what, what's a good caliber for sidearm. And they actually I think it was like a 10 millimeter was like one of the best ones they yeah. uh, yeah. chosen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to check, definitely check that episode out too. Cause grizzly bears is like always like a concern. Um, when I look at like hunting, like maybe a Wyoming or something like mm-hmm. that, maybe I'm just a pussy cause I haven't been around them or anything, but it's like, man, like I can't, first of all, I can't really I guess the ones in the lower forty-eight are worse than the ones up in Alaska because you can't really hunt them. But mm-hmm. you can't. You said you you just said you couldn't shoot a grizzly there either. So maybe they're just yeah. aggressive. I don't know. Well, you uh, if you're with a guide and you have a tag, you can sure shoot them up there. So they do have a lot
1: more fear of man. Uh, oh, okay. But uh, there's nothing saying that you shouldn't protect yourself. Um, but you should definitely try to not put yourself in the situation where you have to. So it's one right. of those where. Just be smart about it. Um, obviously, don't don't try to challenge a grizzly for your meat because he's probably going to win that fight. Um, <laughs> and just be smart, you know. Like like last year when I killed my my moose, we had some grizzly issues as well with grizzlies claiming meat and stuff. And uh, I was terrified every time I'd go to the meat cache where we killed the bull. Yeah. And uh, when I would start getting close, I would just start making some noise. And I would kind of approach from a certain angle where I had the high ground. I was always armed and ready and, uh, you know, just always looking over my shoulder. Um, you know, at a certain point you all are vulnerable, especially if you've got a giant quarter on your back and you're hiking through brush and you probably couldn't fight your way out of a paper bag if your life depended on it in some of those situations. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, just cause you're tangled up in alders with, you know, giant pack on, but, uh, you just have to make the smartest decisions that you can.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, man, um, is, is there anything closing that um a guy needs to know, or is there anything, uh, any contact information for somebody wanting to get a hold of you? Yeah,
1: sure. Um, if anybody wants to talk about booking one of these hunts or look at looking at seeing if maybe one of these hunts is right for you, they can give me a call. Uh, my cell phone number is 319. 319- nine three six six nine one seven or you can shoot me over an email at my business email it's k hanson k h a n s o n at Um, Mm outdoors-international.com you should also go over to our website outdoors international and uh, check out some of the info that we got on those hunts um our web pages are really nice for those hunts a lot of times they have links over to podcasts that have been done on those hunts specifically um, hunt reports which plays into our rating system of how we rate our hunts um, and then, uh, if you contact me, I can send you the brochures with pricing and stuff like that. And, uh, in some cases, even we have, uh, references listed right on those brochures too. If you want to interview guys and grill them personally, so we've got tons of resources for clients and we're always happy to help and We want to get to know you and build a relationship with you and figure out what your bucket list is and help you, uh, fill your dreams and see them come to fruition like they've done for me. So
0: that's awesome man and i will definitely be picking your brain more here because like i said me and my dad and my brother we're all just seems like every year it's like is this year we're gonna book or you know like where are you at like where are you at (laughs) so i think me and my dad are me and my dad are like just that close just to pulling the trigger but with uh you know kim and i are getting married next month oh good for you man Funds are, yeah. Funds are a little tied up right now, yeah. to say the least. It sounds like your your dad knows
1: exactly what to get you for a wedding present. It's a, right, a, a caribou contract. <laughs> um, <but laughs> not trying to th- not trying to throw you a pitch, but um, something else we didn't yeah. talk about. As far as booking, um, our standard policy on booking for hunts is is we only require a 25% deposit to book Mm -hmm. outside of the current hunt year. So say for example, if you were to book a hunt for 2020 or 2021 caribou or moose, um, yeah, we only require 25% down for that hunt to book a contract, which in that case, then you would own those dates. And then an additional 25% of the hunt balance is due the actual hunt year that it takes place. Um, So by January 1st, you have to have the second 25% due. And then the remaining 50% is due before the start of the hunt date. In some cases with certain outfitters, it's 30 days out. In other outfitters, it is uh, just the day of the hunt. Hand them the check or the cash and you're good to go. Um, If you did book a hunt inside of the current hunt year, the deposit amount to own the contract and dates is 50% to book and then 50% when you show up to do the home. So that's our that's our booking policy in case you are wondering not too. Is
0: the Yeah. Is there any way to, for a guy to save money like if he pays up? Is there any way to get discounts like if I pay in full all in one go or if you did the switch to your date and move it up? Do they give you a discount for moving your your hunt up at all? Is there any any deals like that? Not typically.
1: Um, okay. I'm not saying that there won't ever be. I just I can't guarantee there ever will be. Sometimes we do do some specials like on that unguided moose hunt. We did have a situation a couple of years ago where we did discount that hunt um, because they did. I believe they did have a big group dropout. We were trying to get some spots filled a couple months out. Um, yeah. but that was the only time I've ever seen that hunt discounted because the demand is there. We usually have just a list of guys ready to go to fill spots that want to go here before. Um,
0: yeah. Well, how do you get on one of those lists? I guess. And how big of a discount are we talking? <laughs> oh, well in that
1: case, that was when, when that hunt was still at 5,500, it was discounted about a thousand bucks off. Um, That seems like a good deal. So that is a hell of a deal. Um, occasionally we do have cancellation discounts on other hunts though. Um, and to get on that list. Um, so I don't know if you remember when I, when I mentioned to you, if you'd be interested in getting on my mailing list and, um, what that entails is I just need to enter my client's phone number and email into my system and fill out a few different preferences. And you can get cancellation notice emails. Um, So that's a pretty sweet deal. That's free of charge. Um, Outdoors International also has a membership program. And I think it's $9 a month. So for $9 a month, you can get first dibs at cancellation hunts. So like when we, let's say for example, um, I actually have a, a couple of cancellation hunts right now for Arctic grizzly bear and caribou combo as well as uh, guided caribou those hunts are three thousand dollars off right now um for this fall and so how we advertise those we first send out a newsletter to our members only see if anybody snatches it up there and then we send it out to our client list who are non-members um and then from there, we advertise it on the website. But typically, it, it gets sold out pretty quick. You know, It's kind of like with cancellation hunts, a lot of times, if I don't know, or if none of us know a client that is already looking for that hunt, then we start advertising it. But it's kind of like, almost like the real estate, now. like sometimes houses are sold before they even reach the market, but they still list them as a right. formality. Kind of a similar right. deal like that. Like right now, we just had a couple of uh, cancellation uh, Kodiak hunts come up and they were sold before we could even advertise them just because some of the consultants already knew somebody that was willing to jump in on it. Um, but yeah, I hope that hope that answers your question there. Sometimes I go down. No, it does. You know, I'm there. always looking.
0: Yeah, I'm always looking for a good deal and um, you know, a borderline probably a cheap ass, but <laughs> you know, I mean it's if a guy can save, you know, 1000 bucks by just being flexible with his date and maybe having a little bit of money saved up, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's a win. Yeah. I mean, you can't, that's a thousand bucks, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's a, that's a good discount. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a 20, 20% discount, you know, or a 15% mm-hmm. discount on some of these hunts. That's, yeah. that's a chunk of change.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I can't ever promise something like that happens, but you know, if a client is already booked and very diligent and stays in routine, um, communication with me, And they let me know like, Hey, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. You know, let me know if you have something come up, um, I'd love to be that guy, you know, I will be ready to go, you know, so give me a call, you know, just, uh, that's, uh, that all goes back to building relationships with my clients and, uh, knowing their preferences and uh, taking care of them to the best of my ability. Like a lot of my, a lot of my clients actually are, are friends of mine now. And, uh, I've always got them in the back of my mind when I've got stuff come up.
0: Yeah. Well, I plan on, uh, I plan on keeping in touch with you, man. And then definitely when we get closer to booking our, our hunt, um, you know, we were wanting to spend about 4,000, but it sounds like we're going to be closer to that six Mm -hmm. for caribou. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's caught, you know, it's just getting more expensive nowadays. And, and, you know, if that's what the cost of a good, reliable caribou hunt that I know somebody that's been there. Mm -hmm that piece of mind factor I'm willing to pay for. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And that's what you are paying
1: for. I mean, I'll be 100% honest and transparent with you. There are cheaper ways to hunt moose and caribou. Um, However, logistically, they can be an absolute nightmare. Um, So there are cheaper transporters for moose out there. There really are. However, they're not going to be pre-scouted areas um, in as high of a moose density area. Like my moose hunt that we offer, that is in one of the most moose dense units in the state of Alaska. And you can fact check that too. It's GMU unit 18. Um, That unit has more moose per square mile than any other unit in the state of Alaska. Hmm. It's, and and in some of those areas, arguably some of the best genetics for moose in the world. And so it's like, yeah, you shot a
0: 69 incher. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I,
1: I challenge you to find a better unguided moose hunt. And some years we've gone 90% success on good bulls on that hunt the year that I was there in 2016, they went 90% success on bulls. Over half of those bulls were 50 plus inches, and about 20 or 25% of them were over 60 inches. The largest bull that year was 69 and a half inches killed by an unguided hunter while they were running guided camps north of there as well. And so it, Mm. it never fails every single year on that hunt. An unguided hunter just happens to draw that short straw and shoots the biggest bull of the year. Last year when I was there, there was a client that shot a 71 or a 73-inch bull, and he was an unguided hunter as well. And he did it with a with a Matthews compound bow. Oh, really? Yeah. But, like, uh. once again, these are best-case scenarios. This, these are not the type of things that I – you know, tell a client. No, expect, I'm going to hold you to that one. Yeah. I'm going to hold, hold you to that. Hold me to it, man. <laughs> yeah, just let me uh, make sure I'm there with you to hunt and uh, I'll wrestle you for the shot or something. But
0: yeah, there you go. But, um, yeah,
1: <laughs> But yeah. And you know, just being hundred percent honest and transparent about it, there are cheaper ways out there, but like I was talking, comparing apples to apples with the caribou hunt too. Um, there's a lot of really good Northern slope caribou hunts out there for less money. However, there's just a lot of extra logistics steps, which is why our Kotzebue option is just, it's just easy. It's logistically easy for somebody to go up there and hunt. That's why the guys over at the hunt backcountry crew, they're getting ready to go on their second hunt this year. I think they've got like six guys going with them this year. And then, and then I, I want to say, uh, Lenny, I want to say he already booked his third return trip before coming back for a second. You know, huh. just because it's such a good service and it's, it's a low volume, high quality service. So, you know, I hate to, I hate to brag it up too much, but you know, it's uh, it's a great hunt, especially for somebody just coming to Alaska for the first time. So,
0: yeah, that's probably the one I'd, I'd go with, man, but uh well i appreciate you for coming on to the show and, and giving me man it was a quick pretty quick hour so yeah um yeah i mean uh, we're going on an hour and 15 here so is there a, you have an instagram people can go check out your stuff at or anything like that yeah sure um
1: if people want to go check out my instagram or shoot me a message on there it's kyle hansen underscore archery and uh just look for the moose my profile picture there is usually a moose <laughs> um yeah, moose hall it's killer. Yeah, Musaholic. Um, but um, yeah, you can get a hold of me there. You can uh, shoot me a text or give me a call on my cell phone or shoot me an email. Those are usually the best ways to get a hold of me. And I try to make myself very available and I'm pretty generous with my time. So
0: awesome. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time, man. And uh, if anybody has any questions, you can always get a hold of me. And uh, you know, I can direct you to Kyle. Uh, you know, he gave you his phone number, his email, his Instagram. So there's plenty of avenues there. And uh, just encourage somebody, you know, if you're thinking about it, pull the trigger. It's not going to buy itself. Um, you know, and you better do it before the Caribbean numbers, if, you know, if they keep going down. <laughs> so better pull the trigger now because a couple of years ago you could kill two. Mm-hmm. So opportunities aren't apparently getting any better. They're just right now you they said they're staying the same or, or slowly declining. So mm-hmm. um, I'd like to do it while they're still killing good ones and having a great time.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, me too, man. <laughs> that's why I want to get up there and get it done. <laughs> and uh, you know, I the way I see it working out with my caribou hunt is I'm probably gonna do it more than once. So I'm probably gonna go into it with uh, expectations of uh, having a safe, memorable uh, trip. I really, really want to get my buddy a big bowl with his recurve. That's gonna be my main priority, and I'll shoot. I'll shoot a meat bowl if that's what it takes to get him a big bowl with his recurve because. I want, yeah. I want my clients to look good
0: first and foremost <laughs> Yeah, well um, your boss Russ I follow him on Instagram that guy kills everything with his stick bow it's like incredible yeah. if I'm thinking of the right guy um, I, I see pictures of him with all sorts of animals across the world with a trad
1: yeah so, he, uh, he hunts um, both trad and uh, compound and he uh, he's, an ama- he's an amazing amazing archery hunter he uh, the guy's just on a different level <laughs> yeah and I it's funny yeah. enough I've shot 3D with him before and you can just tell he's he's just on a different level he's just so in tune and focused when he has a bow in his hand it's like hmm. it's almost disturbing like how obsessed he is
0: about it <laughs> Yeah I'll have to have him on the show sometime man I'd love to pick his brain Yeah man. I'll uh
1: I'll mention it sometime and uh, see if he so, wants to So awesome come
0: on. All right Kyle well I appreciate you for coming on man and we'll definitely try and get you back on if you have some more hunts you want to talk about um you know I'm always for trying to get people good ideas of opportunities and making you know making sure that they know what what to expect and how much it is because a lot of these opportunities aren't as much as what you'd think so, oh no well, and there's uh, uh, got all
1: kinds of stuff all over the world we have uh, outfitters we work with on pretty much every continent um and just about any hunt that you'd want to do we should have something that fits your criteria
0: all right man well hey you have a good night and uh i'm sure we'll keep in touch yeah for sure all right thanks kyle all right. Thank you. Well, that is that episode of the podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I got a lot of good information out of it, and uh, we'll definitely be going through Kyle when I book uh, my trip for me and my dad, or, or my family, or just me and myself. Uh, you know, you never know how these things go, but uh, definitely give kyle a look he gave you plenty of resources to go reach him out at you can also get a hold me personally and i'll get you in contact with him but uh just a reminder guys as we wrap this thing up here go be sure to sign up for that newsletter www.onpointpodcast.com is where you can do it Get yourself good information and good deals. Stay up up to date with the content I have coming out. And then also, if you can, leave a review or instead leave a review. Either one helps the podcast out. Reviews help get the podcast discovered, shows up on better lists, and and, and pushes it towards the top of recommendations. And uh, iTunes is where you can do that at. And they really do count. I think we're sitting at 76. I want to hit 100 before the end of June. Help me hit that goal. And I will do a really cool giveaway for the folks that have entered uh, from the start of May to the end of June. For those reviews in between there, uh, I would do something cool for you. Trust me. Uh, But if you have left a review already, you can leave another review on another episode. Uh, Of course, five stars if you think we've earned it. But outside of that, guys, I appreciate everybody listening. I will see you on the next one. Bye.